The life of General Belisarius, general meeting at Toronto. Now, the victories of Belisarius at Rome seemed to afford the most favorable prospect of closing the war in Italy, just like the first Italian campaigns, by thorough subjugation of the Goths and the captivity of their sovereign. But his forces, originally small, had gradually melted away and diminished by success, and even after providing for the necessary garrisons of Rome, Civita Vecchia, and Puerto, he found that his troops remaining for active service in the field amounted to no more than 200 infantry and 700 cavalry. With such a handful of soldiers, it was impossible for the most practiced skill and undaunted courage to achieve or even to attempt any decisive undertaking. He received from Constantinople neither men for reinforcements nor money for pay for his troops, and as the least touch is galling to a wound, even so the smallest taxes on the impoverished Italians prove both unproductive and hateful. In urgent and repeated letters, Belisarius besought the emperor to improve this advantageous opportunity, and by a short but vigorous effort to spare himself a long train of languid and fruitless hostilities. But it appeared more easy to overcome the valor of Tortilla than the indolence and procrastination of Justinian. For a long time he remained deaf to the entreaties of his general, and at length dispatched in different bands a small and insufficient force, of which the greater parts lingered in Epirus, and which, had it even been united, would not have mustered 1,500 men. Toronto was fixed upon as the place of a general meeting. John the Sanguinary moved there with his forces, and orders were sent by the emperor to Belisarius to assume the command of this army, and to augment it by all the troops at his disposal. Belisarius accordingly made his preparations for departure, and having appointed Conan, the late governor of Naples, as chief of the above 3,000 men, whom he left in the garrison of Rome, bid farewell to the city, and it turns out, forever. He embarked at Porto, passed through the Straits of Messina with a favorable breeze, but was assailed by a sudden storm on the eastern coast of Calabria. So violent and lasting was the storm that he found it necessary to steer into the port of Crotona, the only harbor between Toronto and the Straits of Sicily. Here he disembarked his forces until calmer weather should allow the prosecution of his voyage. He found at Cotron neither food to maintain nor walls to defend his followers. The Gothic army was not far distant, and while these circumstances endangered his stay, an adverse wind continued to oppose his departure. But his genius, fertile in resources, soon devised an expedient to obtain, at the same time, sustenance and security. A rugged chain of mountains form a natural barrier to the district of Cotron, interrupted only by two steep and narrow defiles, of which the one bore the name Labula, and the other known by the popular byword of Bloody Rock, either from an unusual color in the surrounding precipices, or for some traditional tale of slaughter. Retaining only his 200 foot soldiers with him, the general dismissed his cavalry to guard the ravines, these whose neighborhood was abounded in forage and provisions, and whose watchful maintenance would render Catron altogether inaccessible. So advantageous, indeed, did this position appear to Belisarius that he formed the project to transfer the headquarters from Toronto, and instead of proceeding on his voyage, summoned his officers to join him. The scheme was baffled by an unforeseen disaster. The Byzantine horsemen, whom presence and authority of their general had kept in excellent discipline, relaxed from their duty as soon as his piercing eyes were no longer fixed upon them. They forsook their allotted post, they listlessly strolled through the adjacent fields, and didn't even place outposts and sentinels to appraise them of approaching danger. 
their careless security proved auspicious to the designs of Totila, who marched against them at the head of 3,000 chosen cavalry and fell upon them when least prepared for resistance. The generous self-devotion of Phasus, an Iberian confederate, through the sacrifice of himself and his gallant followers, afforded the means of escape to some of his companions. But the flower of the Byzantine army was put to the sword on this occasion, and a few scared fugitives, closely pressed by the barbarians, brought the first tidings of their defeat to Belisarius. No time was to be lost, or the captivity of the general and the surviving soldiers might have completed and adorned the triumph of an enemy. Belisarius gave orders for instant embarkation. The Byzantine ships sailed and committing themselves to the same gale which had withheld their progress towards Toronto. They were wafted by its violence in one day to Messina, a distance of a hundred miles. Immediately after his victory, the Gothic monarch proceeded to invest Rusinium, or Rosano, a fortress important from its position in the center of the Tarentan Gulf. Many Italian nobles had chosen it as their surest place of refuge. On his part, the Byzantine general availed himself of the first fair wind to undertake another voyage, with the scanty remnant of his army and 2,000 fresh troops received in Sicily. Having arrived at Otranto without further accident, he from thence dispatched Antonia, his wife, to Constantinople to exert her influence with the empress in obtaining some help and to represent his utter inability of acting without help. Unfortunately, before Antonio could complete her mission, in June of 548, Theodora, who had already was sick of an incurable disease, died at this juncture. As soon as the landing of the general was known, John the Sanguinary and the other officers at Toronto hastened to arrange themselves beneath his banner, and a fleet and army were thus collected, which, however inadequate for the conquest of Italy, appeared sufficient to attempt the relief of Rosano. This city was valiantly defended by 300 Illyrian confederates, who had, le who had been left as a garrison by John, and whom Belisarius had reinforced from Cotron with 100 additional soldiers, but the one of provisions now began to be severely felt by them. Belisarius sailed from Otranto with all the ships in his power, and they steered towards Rosano. When they became scattered by a hurricane, the more dangerous from the one of the harbors on this coast, at length the fleet was reunited in the bay at Cotron, and led by Belisarius within sight of the invested city. But on his approach he beheld a shoreline with troops of the barbarians, in close and embattled order, the successive ranks of lancers and bowmen were ready to overwhelm their enemy on landing with a, with a shower of darts, and their ardor was directed by the skill of Totila himself. With deep regret, Belisarius found himself constrained to desist from this hopeless enterprise and once again returned to Catron, where he discussed with his officers in council by what means his few and disheartened soldiers might still be available in this unequal contest. After due deliberation, it was unanimously declared most advantageous that Belisarius should proceed once more to Rome, in order, at all events, to defend that important station to the last, and sustain the siege which Totila the Doubtless intended to renew. While John the Sanguinary and another officer should assume command of the two light squadrons of cavalry in the southern provinces, and endeavor by harassing the rear of Totila to draw him from the investment of Rosano. To such slender resources and miserable shifts had the want of reinforcements from Constantinople reduced the former conquerors of Italy.
Well, unfortunately, we're reaching the point where Belisarius is going to just have to leave Italy and go to visit the emperor himself. The sources for this include The Wars of Justinian by Procopius, Short History of Byzantium by Norwich, Byzantine Art of War by Decker, Byzantine Armies 324-1453 by Turnbull, and The Life of Belisarius by Mahone. So I hope you enjoyed that. And as always, don't forget to come by the website, summahistorica.com or historyaccordingtobob.com, and ask a question, leave a comment, check out our merchandise, and if you like what we're doing, please feel free to support us. Thank you very much.